Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Dr. Kid, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It is come to this. We're back to talk more of our sick, psychological, <laughs> intense double feature. You know, I'm starting to think that maybe this podcast is just us trying to figure out what's wrong with us. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we do this? Why do we I, watch uh... <laughs> a movie where tiny children kill Oliver Reed? <laughs> That's entertainment, folks. These are the uh, these are the movies, and then I'll, you know I'll go watch Green Book, and I'm like, Meh, God, my mom will like what this. A slug. And then yeah, I'm just exactly. like, Oliver Reed getting beaten by children. And I was like, nah, Green Book seems slightly racist. Well, let's uh, yeah. Again, I'm Charlie. This is Eric. We are back. It has come to this. We just talked about the brood. Probably way too long. Probably longer than the I movie could, was. I could have gone longer. Um, could have gone into more Reed. But at the same time, when we watched The Brood, it was paired uh, for our appreciation with with Altered States. Yes, from 1980, which I feel like maybe is not quite as well known as The Brood. Um, it doesn't really have the Cronenberg name backing it up. It doesn't right. really have that um, uh, cult status. But but I think it is it is a cult movie. It, but it does I, have cult status. It's Ken Russell is he's kind of a deeper cut. Yeah. For genre enthusiasts. Yeah. Because he was not primarily making American films. No, no he's a lot British. Of Eng- a lot of um, British films. Yep. Uh, and, and there were musicals. He he did Tommy. Yeah. Uh, the rock opera. And uh, yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned uh, Women in Love. Women in Love. Ken Russell. Uh, yeah. Oliver is, Reed. Is a woman that- uh, First uh, that, connection we'll make. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, there's going to be a lot of connections between these two movies, kind of surprisingly enough, yeah. in, in my opinion. Ken anyways. Russell has done- And then- uh, gothic and uh lair of the white worm you know so the guy went into weird directions yeah but it's not like he was making movies that were as impactful in america as cronenberg would but turn out to be very much an art house very mm-hmm. visual uh one of the gr- i mean altered states to me has got just some of the craziest visuals that you'll ever see in a movie yeah it it, it, it like the brood it's very much about the the mind creating something manifesting something yeah. physical delving into the um, the deepest parts which is kind of an odd of yeah. your brain the movie so uh i will say i'd never seen alter states i was obviously familiar with it and had been you know been wanting to see it right but you knew the basics as, uh, as the very basics it's a it's a scientist in the 60s and 70s who is experimenting with deprivation uh sensory deprivation he's in an isolation tank then he starts dealing with drugs, <laughs> drugs psych- to, psychedelics, to find more. And basically, his his journey in altered states is to get that altered state of mind. But that altered state of mind starts to have physical repercussions, yeah. which again right? is such an obvious companion to the brood. Yeah, crazy, but I right? Don't hear these, and movies. they only came out about maybe sixteen months apart. Yeah, so, like it's uh, literally starts to change his DNA. Yeah. Because he's getting in too deep, yeah. to to the primal man. It's a very it's such a, a so many directions that. So, like I said, haven't seen it. I'd say the most I knew about it was that William Hurt was the star, Ken Russell was the director, and that 
I thought it was just a dr- experimental drug movie. Mm. Movie. So that's my knowledge going in. Because I wanted uh, to purposely not know a ton. This is first uh, first time William Hurt's on screen. This is oh, like really? his debut. Wow. Yeah. What an impressive actor. Crazy. He's like, think of the the things he would. The things he has to do in this movie to yeah. carry this movie, and, uh, and he's playing a very difficult character because he's playing this scientist who's basically on the spectrum. Yeah, he's, he's a spectrum told, guy who's not. He's a cut off emotionally. Dude. you know he's got no. He's got basically no emotion. He's all psychological, uh, you know, logic, and um, and then he's got to act, uh, you know, next to Bob Balaban and yeah, <laughs> and Bob Charles Hayde, Charles Hayde, and who Bob are, Balaban, who are just all like who are these. You know, it's kind Just of an interesting dichotomy. Harry, seventies yeah. dudes, yeah, and 70s then William Hurt, who's scientists. like the Aryan, like blonde, uh, you know, clean cut guy in the in the middle of all this. Just yeah, yeah. big bearded uh, <laughs> silliness. Seventy, like the same way you look at your parents' wedding photos from like the seventies, and right. just everybody is hairy. Yeah. The women have crazy long, <laughs> weird, curled hair, and the men are just like. Bushy ass sideburns and just a like a feathered like you know Farrah Fawcett dude and you're like that was Uncle Tom. Now it's just occurring to me that that's got to be on purpose. If you're Ken Russell and you're so visually focused mm-hmm. like Ken Russell is as a director, he's making a movie where a guy basically turns into a proto man at one point. Yeah. It's all hair. It's all so hair. So he baby. so he hires all these hairy bearded men, <laughs> but William Hurt is not that. He's you know the yeah, thin blonde, a- the Aryan. Uh, he's, he's got the chin. Tall man. He's tall and uh, yeah, the, obviously that must have been on purpose. Will, um, William Hurt's role in this, and he's he's an excellent actor. Who one of my favorites? Yeah, De- uh, definitely. I didn't realize this was his first. It oh, is that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, um, like you said, he's on the spectrum. Would have been. He plays, yeah, he's, play, he's he playing a scientist. Is. He's not. Who's, he's who's, not a guy who has empathy. Yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So if not uh, on the spectrum, there's at least some kind of uh, uh, sociopathic. Yeah. but not in a cruel way. He's he's uh, he's one of those guys that you always see in the cafes. You know, in these old, you know, movies about the '60s and '70s who are talking about philosophy and death and what it really means to be alive. Yeah. And then they have no friends and no girlfriends <laughs> and they don't really have any life to speak of because they're too busy being philosophical and and trying to uncover some greater truth. Totally. With, you know, so it's a, it's he's so it's a tough role because it's not like a spectrum role like Rain Man or right, something. Right. But it's a way more impressive version of that. Because you see the, his humanness, and you see how he does relate to people, and just how he views things. And it's not him merely playing like an autistic guy. Yeah, it's a guy who's driven by his, by wanting to figure this one thing out, and he just really doesn't have time for other stuff. So he relates to this woman who likes him, and you know he relates to his friends. He has friends, sort of. Yeah, but they're I mean, mainly friends because they're and, and both they after the same him. pursuit. Yeah, but they care. They genuinely yeah. care about him. But and so it's a tough. When you he, can't just you know, play when he gets it a robotic. Divorce, he's you know Bob Balaban, his friend, is genuinely concerned. You know, you know. So he's yeah. He, he, but he couldn't just play the role he's not a of robotic or, to yeah. make to to be. You know, he's not like a. It's not there. What was that bad movie with Benedict Cumberbatch? The when he plays Alan Turing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, what was that ga- called? Something games of shit. <laughs> I I I thought it was so bad, and he's just playing a stupid version of like Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Right, it's like right. that's not William Hurt in this movie. It's this layered like you can see the wounded part of this guy, mm-hmm. but you can just see that he views people differently. And, and and like the brood, there's a lot of like family trauma. Yeah, and he's talking about he's a scientist, and his parents are not religious but he grows up having a bunch of religious um visions yeah right and and Ken uh, Russell makes hallucinations mo- some movies with people who've been messed up by religion yeah a lot of religion that's a in theme. this movie that's the thing that Cronenberg doesn't dive into as much Cronenberg mm. dives into the self totally and you know the the vulgarity of the self whereas Ken Russell Cronenberg re- doesn't really touch on religion right which I'm which is probably good yeah there's enough yeah, but repulsion I've... from the stuff he brings up. <laughs> exactly. But Ken Russell definitely has more of a, you know, Catholicism. Well, he's and upbringing. I think probably Ken Russell kind of probably came up in that British strict religious mm-hmm. background. Totally. You know, at the, at the time he comes out in the sixties, British television and movies are just very much like dour. Yes, like, uh, and he's kind of this person who's exploding all of that in in in, in his movies. And you know, I grew up Roman Catholic, and guilt is just. Yeah, it comes it's, with breakfast, man. It's, it's a just, feature. It's one of those not things. a bug. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in it. It's baked it's in, programmed in there. And yeah. so many people throughout history, when they have hallucinogenic, you know, you know visions or they have schizophrenia, he's 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 in the beginning of Alter States, studying schizophrenic patients. Supposedly, you know, off camera, you don't really see that, but mm-hmm. there is such a common thing of crucifixion and religious imagery that comes with that kind of stuff. Probably because it's just been ingrained to us for yeah. the last two thousand years, and this movie is about a guy who's delving into brain cells and cells that have been around for two thousand years, trying to go back to the beginning. I, I'm, I, you know, I could go very like uh, I, I was thinking yeah. about this movie all day today because the point yeah. of this movie. I'm, by the way, I'm gotta say I'm glad you have yeah. because I've been like buzzing through work today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the just like. Man, that so, was insane. Here's what's here's what I think happens in altered states. Whoa, real whoa, quick. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are we? <laughs> it's like so, a, no, we gotta milk it, it was, out a it little was bit. Colonel Jesus. mustard with the candlestick. <laughs> Give them some reason to to stick no, around here. But Jesus. you know, the beginning of the movie, there's uh, he uh, he's in the isolation tank, you know, and he's tripping out and he's hallucinating, yeah. but he's having very like pretty basic like uh, a vision of a bible and a crucifix and he's yeah. on the crucifix and later he's his visions turn into hell and then they just turn into anything and it, it, it can, you kind of lose the religious thread halfway through yeah his um but uh, well his visions also had for some comparison's sake his visions had a lot of similarities to uh, a clockwork orange mm. when alex is forced to view all these horrible things to sure. like, like his visions always gradually kind of build to this like chaos and hellscape. Absolutely, uh, Revela- uh, he 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 talks about uh, hallucinating th- scenes from Revelations, yeah. which is the end of the world in the of, Bible. A lot of Revelations stuff. goes you know, through. Very common stuff, but uh, he's trying to get into the core of 
the almost like the muscle memory, right? Of like what's in his DNA, like what has been stored in his DNA that yeah. we can't access. What do we? What are we not using? What do we not know that we have? Right. That we. Which and, seems like a pretty legit thing that probably happened in the '60s with a lot yeah, of LSD be, testing, right. and and I bet there was a lot of professors back in the day trying to do this exact thing. Like this, this movie, like the the brood feels. Um, like with the psychoplasm therapy, like that feels totally made up. Yeah. This feels like this was maybe based like on a, a real thing. story. People were like, "This could have been an actual thing." Yeah, during the acid test days, yeah. this feels like an extension. Someone of that. actually did what he's doing in the movie, or or something similar to and it. And this is cool because it's actually the as the men are portrayed: Bob Baldwin, William Hurt, and uh, what Charles Hayde. Charles Hayde, yeah, uh, are portrayed as uh whiz kids like elite members of their field mm-hmm. these aren't just a few hippies goofing around with psychedelics to figure right. out what it is like these are acclaimed respected uh, right. professional guys scientists. who got their phds when they're 20 or 25 yeah. or something right yeah. yeah and uh i the movie's so much bigger and so much deeper than i was expecting and i mm. liked it yeah for that cool it really it was by the end, uh, I'm getting just full on trees of uh, the tree of life mm-hmm. vibes from it, and the fountain. Totally, yeah. But then at the same time, I'm getting you know 2001, which is very tree of life. Mm-hmm. But then, the fly. Yeah, this movie, it's like combining the horror of the fly with Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what? Another connection with The Brood and, and Cronenberg and this yeah. movie is the mad scientist angle. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such a... I feel like the mad scientist is just such an underrated, like, horror trope. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's the oldest. Well, In my yeah, opinion, it's, an, it's, it's the so oldest. It's so old that people haven't thought to remine. Yeah. Kids have... These kids can't relate to the mad scientist these but days. But it's like... This, but this is much like this is basically Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. You know, this is as this goes back to the 1800s and the original. You know, maybe the brood is more Frankenstein, like creating life that shouldn't exist. This is Jekyll and Hyde of changing yourself, yeah, in unexpected ways through you know yeah, this, this kind of dangerous scientific research it's it's the same that's why i started just like oh man this movie is the fly this movie is a, a weird right. different version of the fly which is a huge favorite of mine and yours absolutely and which is where, basically jekyll and hyde yeah again. where yeah jeff goldblum is doing this thing that he knows is dangerous mm-hmm. but he's so obsessed with just knowing more that he's voluntarily sacrificing himself just for the sake of not just he doesn't even really care about the world knowing he wants to know absolutely like he wants to know more and, and that's what and he doesn't care what happens to him he just wants to know and the the depths the emotional depths that William Hurt has to show as this driven man who also isn't an emotional person mm-hmm. super impossible role to pull off. Because you don't really root for this guy. No, you don't he's really kind of feel sympathy for. It. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> a, you root. You're way more in tune with his wife, uh, yes. who's great in the Blair, movie. Blair Brown. Brown. Yeah, really good, really good part. Yeah, and you're you like guys like Bob Balaban, and you laugh at Charles Raid flipping out on everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> when he thinks the experiments are going way too far. Yeah. 
and how respected he is, and he's not the kind of guy who should be involved with this. Yeah. Like, there's... Ken Russell is... This is such an achievement. That sounds like such an important word. Yeah. But it's so groundbreaking in... Uh, how many scenes were there with just a bunch of overtalk? Absolutely, where you couldn't really right. totally focus on a lot of conversations, but it put you right in the room with them. Mm-hmm. So you realize at a point, like, oh, I'm not trying to pick out who's saying what. I'm just there with them. Yeah. I'm in this with them. And it, these conversations were so believable. Uh, there was one scene where Charles Hayden and Bob Balaban were, like, arguing, and Bob Balaban's talking about, we need to bring in students, we need to get in volunteers, and, like, you can't really hear or focus on anything, but it sounds, like, so far removed from a stage production yeah. of a script. Like, these guys felt so much like this was their passion and dream, and it really, it really helped the experience a lot. It really made it such a satisfying view. Yeah, it felt so real it, for being so it, exactly. absurd, and it feels almost like a documentary at times where yeah. you're watching people. Um, I mean, and Ken Russell. Uh, you know, the one thing I was reading about him earlier today is, you know, subtlety is the only word that you can't say. <laughs> you know, on a Ken Russell set or whatever, yeah. right? It's like this, this. Like Cronenberg, Ken Russell was a provocateur. Yeah, he just does it. He just like he, he, and, he, and he's, just, he's trying to he dunced it. He's trying. <laughs> he's, <laughs> He done did it. He did it. Uh, you know, he's trying to get your goat a little bit, and yeah. uh, and he does it in this movie in in such a way that he's like, he's uh, putting you in the mind of this guy, but you're not uh, sympathizing with him yeah. necessarily. Ken Russell has no problem making the focal people in his movies like fucked up individuals yeah yeah, like so you're just kind of forced to hang out with these guys who aren't outright terrible people but they're just not people that you'd normally like hang around Mm -hmm. like oliver reed and women in love women in love is probably my favorite ken russell movie though altered states uh now after after this viewing first time viewing uh i need to see it a second time but it's right up there yeah but i women in love is so good and it's such a uh painful emotional experience mm-hmm. uh it's it's got really frank dialogue between the sexes and it kind of reminds me of that more recent movie closer oh yeah 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 which had some pretty dude um raw wasn't nerve that a, wasn't that a mike nichols film yeah, uh closer i'm forgetting the one because, with clive owen and yeah, julie yeah. robertson well because when you were talking about how the characters are talking over each other and and all the Frank, like it reminded me of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Okay, which is yeah. a classic Mike Nichols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, film, but yeah, just that feeling of like you're in this very uncomfortable, yeah, conversation, but you're just having to watch these people just kind of explode at each it's other. Really, um, Cassav- Cassavetes too. Totally, Cassavetes will have a lot of cinema, you know, cinema verite. Yes, they call I mean, it. You think of some of those we Cassavetes movies like, uh, uh, like Killing of a Chinese Bookie and Faces. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of close up people arguing and just talking over have you ever seen husbands i don't think so no it's a castaway's movie with ben gazzara peter i, say I don't Pe- think so yeah. like yeah, maybe i see yeah. so many yeah so no, i have not seen husbands yeah it's uh, peter falk cassavetes himself and ben gazzara mm. and they're three guys mourning the death mm. of his, yeah oh god the finger, whole, that's the kiss. mount rushmore right there <laughs> love those dudes um and they're mourning the death of their friend and it's two hours of them talking over each other. Mm. It's just these three, and they're all buddies in real life. And they're just 
there's this long scene where they're out drunk at a bar and they're singing songs and they're getting strangers to join in. And Ben Gazzara, this one woman's trying to sing a song and Ben Gazzara keeps just like, you sound terrible. Start it over. Start it over. And this woman's like in tears. And so it's just awful crosstalk. And so I just kept getting these like, damn, this is like John Cassavetti's movie making a hardcore sci-fi flick. And that is a thing I didn't know I want, but I'm loving it. Well, there's that makes me think of the scene where uh, Bob Balaban is making a sandwich through the entire scene. Oh my god! In, uh, in altered states, spreading like, that mustard. He's, he's, or, yeah, what he's yeah, mustarding just make, so much rice. And then bread. he's like starts eating. He's going. To, he goes into the other room and he's eating. And he's put he puts and I, he put the sandwich on the bed at one point. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> this guy's crumbs so, everywhere. We had two different <laughs> scenes in this movie of guys just. Kind of playing it fast and loose with a sandwich. <laughs> Bob Balaban is so just so lackadaisical with his sandwich. Like you're gonna eat he, that later. He's gesturing with his sandwich, so it's just kind of flopping in his hand. He's just lo- a of loose slices of bread God, slapping together. So funny. When William Hurt meets Blair Brown. William oh, Hurt's yeah. making a sandwich. He's like a make a pimento or yeah, something. He's slapping, right? he's got a uh, round rye, slaps a pastrami on it, a Swiss totally. cheese, and then they meet because he's looking for the mustard. That's funny. And she's it's like, God, why is this movie making so many sandwiches? <laughs> but it's but it feels like because they're just supposed to be at a party or yeah. they're they're supposed to be hanging out, and, and it puts you right in that moment. And then it cuts to like, all right, well now I'm going back into the isolation yeah, chamber. Yeah, so we go to this, and very... then I'm going to trip out for five yeah, minutes. It does a... it's such a great like back and forth between like normal kind of. It uh, makes you feel like a human yeah. at these human gatherings, right in the middle of these human parties. And then two two minutes later, it's like, all right, well I'm going to be under for five hours again, exactly. and just nothing but crucifixions. Yeah, and so it's like you're humanized, and then you're kind of left more like not really vulnerable. But then you're just shot right into the cannon of this right this chamber that he keeps wanting to go into, and and he, and William Hurt is less interested in the human interaction stuff, and yeah. more interested in the isolation and and the inner self, and and the whole movie is basically the arc of him figuring out that like he's doing it wrong, yeah, and he's got to actually be in tune with you know in the moment, yeah. Um, so this whole movie, these scenes put you within the movie. And then the main person that they force you to pay attention to is the guy who wants to get away from being <laughs> in the middle of people. It's a total mind fuck, and I don't. That's not an expression that. Uh, and and, and I we're use not even talking about the psychedelic scenes. We're just talking about yeah. the idea that you have to follow the guy that you don't really want to be following. Yeah, and, and the way Ken Russell constructs the story, this story could be really good, told in a fairly straight ahead manner. I think. I think the concepts and the idea is strong. And we've gotten a few cool sci-fi movies with similar right. ideas. It, it feels like most movies would have you uh, follow the Balaban character as his friend gets deeper and deeper into the problem. Sure. Rather it, than following the follow the, guy the more actually, relatable people. Or you'd follow yeah, the wife. Exactly. Who's, and who, you kind of do, but I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. It's, who, you know, the wife who is one of those poor movie characters who is a woman who's fallen for the worst man and no matter what she loves him and you'd she's follow, determined you'd follow her mm-hmm. exactly. instead you're forced to follow like the kind of loner yeah who's doing this thing just because he's desperate to do it you'd mentioned um we won't talk about it much but we've both seen free solo 
Right. The new uh, right. I saw that Academy recently. Award winner for best a, a documentary. A couple days before I saw this, and yeah, I, I mean. And it's kind of weird that you brought it up in the car on the way over here. And I, yeah, we carpool, guys. We did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> for the environment. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, I wouldn't have thought to connect the two of these movies, even though I've now seen them both very recently. But then this idea of a guy who's doing this thing that only he is capable of doing. Right. That every it's, it's so, solo. He's the only one who can take that journey. Yeah. No one He's can the only join one that William determined in these to go visions. on this journey. Yeah. And uh and honestly his personality of the dude in Free Solo is kind of similar <laughs> exactly to William Hurt the same. in yeah. uh, Altered States. 100% exactly the yeah. same like it's they're just on the level same spot of, on the spectrum. Yeah, this yeah. level beyond obsession. You're not just obsessed because you're able to be perfectly focused. Yeah. You're just so beyond obsessed that you're solely honed in on just doing this one thing. Right. And that's all that matters. And that kind of intensity is a lot <laughs> on the screen. It is. In, you know, and if that 40 isn't, feet wide. Then the visions that he undertakes are about as intense as anything I've ever seen. Yeah. And and we've seen all the David Lynch stuff. Yeah. You, you know, know, we've, we've seen, seen, again, we've seen 2001, uh, Space Odyssey, the whole ending. I mean, this movie felt like it was taking just... It was just going crazy. It was yeah. just going crazy with this, with the imagery, and um, you just wonder how Ken Russell's putting that all together in his brain. Like, mm-hmm. how is he storyboarding this? I know, you know, to to a movie uh, with multiple one frame cuts. Oh <laughs> you yeah, know, like oh yeah, scenes with just montages of quick, like subliminal images. Like it, like geez, like how if, long is he editing? It's one this of those thing? where you would think that people who have like epilepsy or something probably should have gotten a warning about. Yeah, this movie, this movie should have had a warning because it for, definitely has that flashing, many strobing, um, you know, and and then like you said, the that, sound manipulation. Oh, the sound! I'm that is really why I'm so glad we saw this on the big screen because yes. the sound was insane. Yeah. And it was super loud and which worked because there was so many there's so much depth mm-hmm. in the sound. And uh This movie got uh, an crazy, Oscar nomination yeah. for best sound. Uh, damn right it did. Yes. Best, <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. I didn't I know didn't, this I movie was out, the yeah. kind of movie that got Oscar nominations. Mm. Uh you know, you we've seen a lot of good genre movies with great performances. Best sound and best original best score. Sound and best, yeah. The score cool. is a really good I'm a guy who as you know, we as we carpooled over here, we were listening to Alan Howarth's Halloween 5, <laughs> The Revenge of Michael Myers. We were listening to that score. I love movie scores. I love mm-hmm. them. And my favorite ones are horror scores. And a good score can really knock a movie up to the next level for me. If I'm really digging the score. Like I said, uh, we talked when we were talking about The Brood, I mentioned Mandy. Right. Loved the Mandy yeah, score. Absolutely. And that just got me into it even more. And it just a, adds a mo- so much depth to what you're seeing on screen, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, and a good score, yeah, like you said, depth. It just provides so much uh, substance for me, so much extra. And the Howard Shore score for the Brood, really good. It's a really good score, absolutely. And this score, I don't, I don't know the composer of Altered States. I, I it's not a name I'm really familiar with. Uh huh. But it was such a cool non, um, non, uh, an un, uh, not a typical horror uh sci-fi score it was very dramatic very clangy very uh thundering it was you know wasn't like synthesizer 
based. Right, exactly. Yeah, synthesizers and drum machines, which is my favorite thing. Yeah. But it was such a more powerful epic well, score. you know, it comes out right at 1980, and I felt like there's a lot of moments in the score that could have been from like a 70s film because there were, yeah, those sweeping strings that come in, yeah, um, that you would see in in something that would be just a little bit older, you know, like maybe a, a Rosemary's Baby or, or sure. uh, something, you know, something like that. Yeah, the the Ro- Rosemary's Baby has a, a great score, um, but, but it's, yeah. it was so cool when I found out afterwards that it actually got. Academy. I, this is right when you know more genre films were getting nominations. A year or two after this was when they would come up with the best makeup Oscar mm-hmm. to give it to American Werewolf. And so, but a film like this, even though Ken Russell was a respected guy, it was still hard sci-fi, and that's yeah. not a thing that is gonna usually get the Oscars. Do you want to hear another Cronenberg uh, connection? Sure. I just saw. Bring it. Uh, the makeup on Altered States, which there is some crazy makeup mm-hmm. in this movie dick smith dick smith one of the uh, top three legends of makeup. he uh he won a saturn award this year tied with himself <laughs> for, for scanners scanners wow that's right kaboom yeah they, scanners like, is i feel like the, the deeper we get into this the more connections the connection. between these two movies <laughs> Like, what, it's what, kind of freaking, what, uh, what well, you can't just, see at uh, home Cronenberg is uh, or, you know, and, and Ken Russell. You got the Oliver Reed connection. You got now the Dick Smith connection. Charlie has. I love it. Uh, we have a yarn wall. I, I, I'm straight up. The, there's from, this it, yarn yeah. is going so many directions now. Uh, God, yeah. I didn't even see him building it. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, I uh, I'd forgotten Dick Smith did the makeup on Scanners, and yeah, yeah. that was '81. And this movie. So yeah, um, wow. And uh, yeah, there's a the the one scene that I remembered from when I saw this movie, Altered States. Uh, yeah, from Altered States is is he finally starts uh, experiencing these deeper states, and he's trying to go back, like like I was saying earlier, to some sort of regressed or repressed memory or something yeah. that he thinks is in the cellular. DNA mm-hmm. before I this is probably maybe before DNA was a thing but um, <laughs> he eventually uh, gets to that altered state but it affects him physically and so there's scenes where his arm is bulging and yeah. getting hairy that felt so much more Cronenberg than, yeah definitely than Ken there's Russell. a lot of body horror yeah. in this movie I mean yeah you get a bubbling arm and yes. uh, and, and there's a scene where his his uh, Abdomen starts doing that too in yeah, the middle of the night, expanding and, uh, and bubbling. Yeah, it feels very uh, feels way almost more like American uh, werewolf or something. Even yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it felt like more of a Rick Baker effect. Totally. Than, uh, but that it just felt so Cronenberg, especially yeah. when his arm kept swelling and there was growing, and he was going beyond human. Yeah, in the opposite direction. And that and that. Uh, or his kind of, feet suddenly ha- he has extra toes. Like yeah, you see him with yeah, toes and, exactly. And and he's having these visions of being like a primordial being, uh, a, a a proto man. Yeah, you know, not even like a caveman. We're talking like Lucy, like those like fossils that were you know the common <laughs> yeah, ancestor. Sure. And, and but the uh, movie also does a cool job of not letting you. He could be just like on a crazy psychedelic trip. Exactly. Like, this guy could be imagining everything. He could be, 
you know, just a weird guy locked up in a hot. You almost have expect the movie to end with him just in a crazy house, and it was like, oh, these were all a dream. Like totally, you that would not because he be takes a- he takes a bunch of drugs. He goes down to Mexico. Yeah, after he gets he does mushrooms. Done and- with the isolation chambers, he wants to more. Yeah, so he goes to the deepest part of Mexico. Mexico. Uh, How do you yeah. like it? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. No. He's. Yeah. There, uh, that's one of my favorite scenes. Is just all the old. <laughs> and then that makes me wonder. You got all these old uh, guys, the elders of the community, who are doing this. These drugs. He goes to do the the hard. And you wonder if those with. if those guys are just like, yeah, it's great. We just uh, hang out and do mushrooms every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what do you guys do? Being an elder kind of rules. Literally, actually. <laughs> we just sit in a cave and do mushrooms. Like. That's that's our primary thing. Yeah, but they seem oh. to get into it. Yeah, and then uh, he gets into it, and the trip that that might be my favorite uh, one moment in the movie is the trip originally when he does this mushrooms. Mm. He's out in the he's he he leaves this cave. He's out in the desert. Uh, he sees his wife as a Komodo dragon. Yeah, and again. Uh, we talked about um, Samantha Egger kind of having a snake-like quality yeah, wow. when she's in the brood. And this woman, there's a scene where she's like impersonating a Komodo dragon. Yeah, like she's literally like, doing a lizard perfectly. Yeah, like she's looking around and like has her back arched in this way where she is like l- nails it. Yeah, and then they a lot turn, of reptilian oh, women man. last night and. Uh, Maybe I'm on drugs. I don't know what's going on here, man. Uh, Charlie and I have done a lot of drugs. I shouldn't have before. dropped all those drugs. No, it's it's bad. It's um, bad. And then he and then he his kind of inner self or whatever turns to sand. They turn to sand, and there's that prolonged scene of the sand just being wept, oh, swept man. away in the wind. They're sand creatures. Man, it just it's like pretty. It was a crazy vision. But it's like there was these there's these scenes where it could be, you know. And I love Terry Gilliam and and. I, this made me think of like how you portray psychedelics in movies. Yeah, and it's usually Johnny Depp going, Arr! and uh, <laughs> oh, the lizards are fucking, and it's like that's a fun movie, but like this <laughs> movie gave it such a uh, different tone. Yeah, like than anything I've seen about people doing drugs in movies. Well, it showed which I loved. It was one like we said we can't really relate to this guy because he's at that level yeah. of obsession, and I can't relate beyond. to that kind of drug use. No. I've never done anything like no, that. I've so never, yeah, it, never it, done it, mushrooms. You're kind of you're kind of trusting Ken Russell to like sure. show you what's going this, on here. This feels right. Yeah, Ken gets it. <laughs> but uh, so what? At least personally, you know, I can't really relate to to William Hurt's character in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, hey, I'm glad this guy, like, he's doing this. And it's like, I kind of get his cause. The guy doesn't seem uh, much fun to be around. But, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I should do mushrooms. I'm not <laughs> I'm not asking enough of myself. Right, right. Like, you can see he's really wanting to push the human limits. Mm-hmm. Of, like, what are we capable of? What can I unlock? Mm-hmm. Depending on what I ingest, and that's what the guy in Free Solo is doing. That's too, what right? Free Solo like, like. I can't that that brain that that way of thinking. They yeah. they just want to the hit. Of just they like, they want to hit the peak of whatever thing that they're focused. Yeah, on. Yeah, I need to I, is make myself climb up rocks yeah. vertically no for like five thousand feet because yeah. for the only reason of well, nobody else has done it. Yeah, like so I want to. I want to be the that. best at doing this thing that. Literally, no one else has ever thought to do. That could also lead to my. I'm just living with my imminent death. Yeah, 
all the time because I need to do this thing. And that's William Hurt in this movie. And I had no idea, zero idea, the movie would lead us to 20 minutes of a monkey man <laughs> running around uh, yes. and just living Neanderthal live in the city. In modern what, Boston. I had no idea yeah. a large chunk of this movie was monkey suit. Related. Now I can say that's the scene that I always remember. You remember I think that's that the one full scene. giant monkey scene. Yeah, that is the one scene where William Hurt finally goes into the isolation chamber and comes out uh, proto-man. Yeah. He's shorter. He uh, It's a different actor. It's not uh, It's it not William be, Hurt no. in a body William suit. William Hurt's like 6'4". It's, pr- it's probably some like Cirque du Soleil performer because he's it jumping super around. super acrobatic, yeah. He's, he's it looked cool. Flipping around. Yeah, he's he's got the movements that he are really ape-like, good, but not exactly. It was very much, uh, you know, who's the, the, the modern actor doing all the... Like an Andy Serkis or something? Yeah. yeah, totally. This guy was like a physical... Exactly. Andy Circus. If really, this was to, made today, they would have had Andy do it and then motion captured him. Yeah. But exactly. as it was, it's just a guy like just in a, a guy full... in a fursuit, <laughs> like scaling trees just, and just barking at people and, and, and eating some raw running goat. around with dogs. Just raw Again, sheep it felt murder. very like American Werewolf in that in that yeah in that moment. But that is that to me is just like the moment where the movie decides, fuck it. Mm-hmm. We are going to show you some crazy shit. Yeah. We've already shown you crazy shit, but now we're going to let you know that it's happened. Like, this is the, it's not in his mind anymore. No. Yeah. There's, there's security guards who are, people are witnessing him this. And, yeah. There's witnesses. And he's found the next day naked in the, in the zoo, you know, very, very American, very werewolf, American like werewolf style. Same, yeah. same year uh, or same yeah. within a year. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's the, that's the point where the movie's like, this is happening. Yeah. I this turned, is not in your mind. Um, there yeah. was what? There was five of us there <laughs> yeah. last night, and I turned. It must have been to Jackie. Mm-hmm. Must have. I like turned after the monkey scene, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> just, and it was genuine. It wasn't just like an elbowing wink, wink. It was just like, "Oh my god!" Like <laughs> we're in it. It's, yeah. it's happening now. It's it it's so his good. it's his, it's the moment where he turns into into Hyde. You know, he's, he's yeah. been Dr. Jekyll and this is him running amok in the city. And that's not even the conclusion of the movie. Like no. the movie can, has another I, 40 minutes beyond that. I was or so, so this movie it was so crazy because very early on the movie opens with him a cold open, no credits or anything. Right. The movie just starts up with him his face in this water-filled isolation chamber. Mm-hmm. Just a close-up on him, and then the names start rolling, and you pan back, and you see him in some dingy basement room with Bob Balaban drinking a leg-sized thermos of coffee <laughs> and monitoring his EKGs. And this move... And so then he uh, he's telling Bob Balaban about the experience and what he's seen and, and how, you know, all the, how amazing it was. And he was like, and Bob Allen's like, hey, you were in there for five hours. And he's like, ah, oh, it felt like one hour. Mm-hmm. And it's like, by that point of the monkey scene, I had lost track of how long <laughs> I had been watching Absolutely. this movie. Totally. We were in the isolation chamber with this movie at that point. And I was like, I was like, is this, this is probably the end? Yeah, right. we've probably been here an hour 45. This makes sense. And then it's like, oh, there's way more. Oh, there's more. <laughs> After this, he goes beyond the dawn of man. He was yeah. talking about this is like the first human thought. This is like the first action 
he gets so excited and you know you think of all these uh firsts the first mm-hmm. human what they had to do and how they put you in for 20 minutes of the movie you're in the mind of an ape man it was like in being john malkovich where he crosses over right and you know first becomes john malkovich yeah and it's like oh we're just this ape man now <laughs> and now that all he thinks is survival because yes. he's thinking thoughts that nobody's ever thought before. What I what I loved is how there's a m- mention in that where his brain re- and his memory regresses to that of the proto man. So yeah. he's only driven by the will of living and surviving yeah. and eating. So all his memories so, are th- so he's as not that thing was experienced. Yeah, he's now. not thinking critically while he's the proto man. Like, oh, this is cool. I can do all these things. He's just that. Yeah, pers- he's just he's like just water, brain, food. Yeah. And then he decides, well, there's got to be more, and, th- and he keeps going yeah, and going what's and the going. Answer? You know, and so maybe this is where I can uh, get into a little bit of what I think this movie is about: is yeah. that um, he's had these religious visions all his life, so he thinks he's going to find God. Yeah, he thinks he's going to find the moment where God creates man, and he's going to be able to communicate that. Yes. And that's is, what he wants, which is an incredible in concept. my mind. I, I, he doesn't it's necessarily a, say that, but like he's that's he's got that religious. He's got that idea of of life starting with God and man. Yeah. But and, what and he finds out. Well, let me tell you, yeah. this movie I found out between movies. My friend, our friend George told us. this. Oh, yeah. This movie was released christmas day oh god yes it's like that's beautiful happy birthday jesus here's tons of crucifixion scenes that's beautiful and a man searching to prove god is alive yeah and and ken russell was like trolling people that's so great. 40 years ago that's with so this. great he you know and yeah he's trying to prove that god is like in our genes basically mm-hmm. that is somewhere in the untapped that we've got the secret to what it is. Yeah. And then when he finally keeps going back further and further, he just becomes he just becomes the primordial nothingness. Yeah. And and this movie really ends with him like 2001 it, it's like he's going through that black hole, that wormhole mm-hmm. into basically the single cell organism and then even beyond that and and the big i i maybe there's a big bang there at the end i'm not sure if they're sure, trying to go yeah. like full on like big bang uh of the universe but there's the when he comes back from that he's like there's nothing there's yeah. there's just terror <laughs> yeah it's just pure awful. he says mm-hmm. something like pure simple terror yeah it was and so chilling the and and the ken russell is very it. much like he's made movies like the devils where it's like oh my gosh. he's got all that religious stuff right so clearly he's making this very like yeah there's no god statement yeah there is no god there's nothing and it all happened by an accident we're just we're chemicals (laughs) and chemicals that were spurned by fear and spurned by the desire to survive that's how we you know that's what causes evolution that's how we get here yeah that's how we're here now talking about movies and and the so mo- it's come to so it's this. Come to this. <laughs> well, and the movie turns into kind of unexpectedly uh like a very tender love story mm-hmm. in the very final, you know, yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah, almost a little too rushed or too forced I felt, but but, but it's yeah, like these there's be- that well, kind of The movie so what is somewhat confusing, which it, it you know, maybe it's not that confusing once you see it. Maybe it's obvious. The movie <laughs> j- takes place over like 
you know, 10 to 15 years. Yeah, there's big jumps in time. But nobody looks any different. Yeah. So it's like William Hurt and Bob Balaban were balding in the first scenes, and now wait, 10 years later, oh, it's okay, I guess their hair just stopped at a certain point. So apparently we jump 10 years. Right. So well, you know, I was thinking the same thing because uh, Blair Brown's like born in in real life. She's born in like the f- mid forties or so. So she's like forty when this movie is made, or thirty five. Yeah, but she's supposed to be playing like a twenty five year old. There's no way she's fucking twenty five years old in the beginning <laughs> of this movie, right? <laughs> right. So like, oh, I'm twenty four. Just got my PhD. He's like, no, you are not Blair. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Blair, makeup department Blair Brown did is, not make is that happen. Gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. And I should mention Absolutely. Blair Brown's fashion. She was in not twenty four years old. Is spectacular. <laughs> There's a scene where Blair Brown is wearing like hiking shorts, knee high. Oh, like, well, she stockings. just come from the savanna or something, yeah. right? Africa. Her, yeah, she's her safari wear. Oh. Is like point. should be as big a deal as Little Edie from Grey Gardens. Absolutely, <laughs> like it should. There should be lines based around Blair Brown totally. in altered states. But I kind so you get this feeling that oh, this was kind of rushed. But I like it that this whole time we've been doing nothing but exploring time and the mm. concept of time. And so it's like, is it rushed, or have these people been doing this thing? Or, yeah, I guess that's true. This is a relationship that's 20 years in at this point, You remember, And then, but even that, you remember he was trying to knock him, you know, you you created this inside you, and she's trapped in that too, and we as a viewer don't know how much time passed in Mm. what, between whatever they were doing. Even though it was a brief few seconds, are we on talk the about screen, that final, the final hallway. scene where they're in the hallway and yeah, she's yeah. kind of trapped in this melting limbo? Yeah, it's a crazy scene for yeah. 1980. Uh, really crazy stuff. Weird man. computer stuff, and he turns into this melting. This is one of the first goo movies monsters. That had like, like this is 1980. There's they they they're very primitive computer effects, but they're doing like this kind of overlay of like static and and, yeah. and effects on top of him. And he's wearing basically this like bodysuit that looks like a basket case. It does. It's right? a very basket. He case. basically turns into the creature from Basket Case at the end, like yeah. yeah. Just a one-armed pink goo monster, um, but, but yeah. so like so during that moment where they where that, he that finds could have been a who could, knows how long. Yeah, it could have been this long hundred-year like journey. Even thought of that. I've been thinking about this thing all that's day. Cool. That's cool. That's <laughs> well, I've been thinking. I've been see, constantly thinking. Of well, this that's movie. so great because I've got this religious background, so I've been thinking about it from this religious, which is bad because I standpoint they also have a religious and, background. well but you uh and you, i'm thinking you not you, thinking you are that. more in line with with the the sense of time yeah that he's actually tr- this is almost like uh a time machine thing where he goes too it's far totally, he goes totally. too far in the one direction yeah you know and uh yeah that's what he said i went too far yeah. like there's nothing there yeah it's all and that's like and that's what of- convinces him to live in the moment and to love and to be this emotional person because uh yeah, the emotion- all you got's right now. You That's know? what I love. The emotional moment is really great. This guy who has just been—it's not like he was cold and distant. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't a guy who was going to love a human the way some of us can like love a human, you know. Well, and then yeah. finally, he—you know—he had different purpose in life. And well, so, but the moment when they do really connect mm-hmm. fully, it's pretty powerful. The like, uh, I'm not super familiar with Blair Brown. And I've never seen William Hurt do something quite like this. Yeah. And but the emotions for the, their scenes together—that was some raw, deep cut 
kind of stuff, you know. And I, I, I liked the mix of acting in this. I liked Bob Balaban's kind of yeah. upbeat personality. Charles Hayde was absurd. He was on a tear, but man, the whole God. time. That scene where he is he's listing off his credits while he's yeah, screaming at them. Yeah, his credentials to prove that he's above this work that they're doing. It's That's one of the best monologue the moments The theater wanted ever. to clap. You could tell. Oh, totally, People right? were so into it and like laughing to themselves. But it wasn't a laugh as like, this is ridiculous and stupid. People were like, this guy gets it. Like, yeah. this is great. Well, he also kind of has a, a bit of a, like a southern boy kind of charm Man, to I, him. Yeah, but I he's a not, doctor. Yeah. You know? So he's like, he's like, I'm not just some fucking guy here. Like, I am the chair of the thing and the editor <laughs> of the thing. Like, I the am the president of the Journal of you Review. Know? And there's, yeah, and Bob Balaban. It, dude, that's another thing. When we talked so about beautiful. all the overtalk earlier, right. I love the cameras staying in one place, and you're seeing Charles Hayde leave the room, walking up right. the stairs, still flipping out. Comes like, back down to say, yeah, one comes more back thing. down to yeah. get his word back in. The guy's just flipping out over every inch of the screen, and yeah. people in the theater were way into it. Oh, totally. I love how into it people were. Dude, and, and yeah, my favorite quote of the whole movie was Bob Balaban, who's such a reserved character most of yeah, the time. Yeah, he's so like he's like quiet and meek like, almost. Uh-huh. Like he's he's like just so professorial and but, but friendly, you know, absolutely like outgoing guy. Like, a- anything you see him in, he's like always just a nice guy, great guy. And there's a scene where he's like, "I am on fucking fire right now," <laughs> yeah. and he is freaking out because of what he's just witnessed because and, of all the craziness that they've and, never thought uh, was possible. I just loved it. Yeah. I love those movies. And they just it and here's another tie in with the brood. The whole time I'm watching this, it's like that I see Oliver Reed giving the like go through it all the way. Mm. Don't stop. Like I was before I even knew that was a quote, I'm watching altered states and I'm like, man, I hope they just go through it. Like Absolutely. go through this all like get to go the other the side, way. figure it out. And Ken Russell obviously does not let up and you go to the other side. And it's so in that same way, uh, so 2001, mm-hmm. I was, let me take you back. Here. Oh, oh, we're talking about we're your, two, you, this is my year, personal. Not, not, not Stanley the, Kubrick's not the, 2001. The movie 2001. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I, I had, I'm still confused. I had heard about this movie. I was a teenager. I was like mm-hmm. 15 or 16 years old. And I saw this article in Rolling Stone about like, you know, rebel movies, oh, rebel yeah, cinema. Yeah, yeah. And this sure. is when I was fully starting to get into cinema right like you know you're like yeah i've seen a tarantino yeah exactly right i'm ready to graduate to the big boys i've seen maniac cup three so (laughs) yeah i'm I'm ready for i saw candy man at my friend carlos's house i'm kind of getting into cinema (laughs) and so this rolling stone list was a godsend because it was called like you know 20 rebel movies that shaped Mm -hmm. and it was stuff like blue velvet Mm -hmm. and uh you know 2001 like uh one Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. You know, movies that were doing something that right. hadn't been quite done yet. Right. And it was one of those things where in the library I'm writing down every one of these movies. <laughs> Only, you know, seven of them I'd heard of. Like, Star Wars was one of them. Star Wars okay. was a great... I mean, yeah, it sounds yeah. crazy now, but that was a silly idea in 77. Yeah, yeah. And that blew up into a phenomenon. And so... Uh, so then I saw on PBS of all places was showing 2001. We had no cable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had an antenna that got five channels. So we got like Fox, ABC, CBS, the, the normals. 
and two different PBS channels. And PBS on Saturday nights would show 70s Doctor Who. Right. And then, like, a movie. And that night they were showing 2001. I'd just written it down from this list. So I watched 2001 at midnight on PBS Oof. when I was, like, 15. And that scene, man, at the end where the guy's just, like, going through stars. Yeah. And just going through it. I had no idea what was happening, but it was so unlike anything I'd seen. And it was like, man, this 2001 movie took us from, you know, apes right on up to, like, Star Child uh, at yes. the end. And yes. that's Altered States is clearly, like, a revamped, you got the ape scene. Totally. And then we go see Star Child. And it was like, man, I'm so glad they kept going there. Right. And, and I loved how you described Star Wars as silly. Because it's a silly idea, lightsabers and the Force, but it, it revolutionized. Made, it was made film. for kids, and it revolutionized right. tons of stuff. And, and, and to me, it was like, a cheap kids movie. That, that's uh, that's the word that I thought of that could describe. I'm going to show you a photo of the Proto Man oh, right yeah. now. Like the, the it's Proto a Man, silly could, scene. the Proto Man could have bombed. It, well, it, that could have wrecked the movie. It is. It's it's a silly scene. Mm-hmm. It's a guy. Going ah and and jumping around mm-hmm. and stuff, but because they go for it, because they give it everything, and they yeah. don't um they don't laugh at it. They don't act embarrassed you know? that they're doing it. Yeah, they don't, yeah, like you said, they don't laugh at it. That's a great way of putting at it. Like the, you you see that people yeah. are just like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this, right? But like, people weren't necessarily like laughing at that scene in the theater or no. anything. You know, it wasn't like a oh boy. You know, it was there was nothing derivative. Or there was nothing um, where, where yeah, it, to- it, it doesn't take you out of the movie. It only further just... Totally... It's like you, takes you're you on board. unexpected spot like, in the movie. Keep yeah. going. You know, go through. Like, yeah, this that. is what we're doing now. Yeah. You're going to see 20 minutes of a guy fending off dogs because right. he doesn't know how anything works. <laughs> it just goes unfrozen caveman lawyer yes. on everybody. 100%. So, yeah, he runs into a zoo, and so he's like competing with elephants to get water and he eats a sheep yeah like what the yeah. guy's learning how to hunt yeah learning how to use tools and weapons and and they've they, no they let you any... watch they, they let you watch this guy do this though like where maybe another movie like american werewolf will will uh just kind of cut to the next morning sure or something right and like oh what happened it's like yeah no, this is up this groggy. is you just watching the guy like you said 20 it's Maybe not 20 minutes, but it felt like 20 minutes. It, like it feels said, like a very long part. I fully part. admit I lost it could have been, all concepts it, of time. It, it, it would have been great if it was just like uh, the second half of the movie. It's just, <laughs> just eight the man. rest of it. Just for 40 no, well, minutes. So as someone... And it would not have surprised me if they did it, right? It, well, like I'm so since I was totally unfamiliar with anything that happens in the movie, yeah, in you my head, cold. I'm sitting there thinking like, this is the movie now. <laughs> like, I didn't think yep. he would go back to not being the ape man. Right. I didn't think that was a thing the movie would be like, oh, yeah, he just changed his DNA back. I was just like, well, the next hour or so is going to be this <laughs> he monkey gets story. As the ape man. It's like, well, this is your husband. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's I, an ape now. I thought it was like, you know, Jeff Goldblum didn't go back. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he just got way worse every scene. And so there's no way I was like, William Hurt's probably going to be pretty normal for the rest of this. Yeah. So I just I fully thought we were in for That's great. another hour of. I would well, I would have welcomed it. This guy's going to run around until eventually he gets shot by police. <laughs> and that's how this is going to end. I thought that's what the movie is, I'm, and the movie went a could've. whole different uh, 
more exciting philosophical approach mm. and spiritual approach. And it was a big old bite to chew off. This thing could totally have failed right. in a ton of ways. This thing could have felt like BS from yeah. 10 minutes in. And I bet you I bet you half the people who do watch this movie say that. It, I, it you know, it, I'm sure this is a divisive movie. It's uh it's, I'm sure it's pretty a... well rated. Like it's got a 6.9 on the IMDb. Like right? it's That's, and two Oscar nominations, you know, decent it, uh, But but I bet IMDb. I bet the casual, you know, if I bet if I can't, if, I, can't I bet tell... if I try to get Katie to watch this movie, my wife, she yeah. you know, about 10 minutes in she'd be like, "What the fuck, man?" I'm not you know? going <laughs> to ever let my mom be like, hey, you should yeah. check out Altered State. Exactly. Maybe or the my, Brood. Maybe my dad, though. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a movie for maybe your dad. There you go. Depending on if your dad smoked weed like once in college, then he's like, yeah, I'll <laughs> check he out knows Altered States. Yeah. He's been, you know, my dad went to Altamont. That was I cool. Yeah. Like he might like Altered States, yeah. but this movie could have botched it. It could have several ways. It could have, but and it the the. It really did make this character that you didn't relate to. You really feel like you kind of experienced something as as a human yeah. in this movie. Like you kind of feel like there's some answers in this movie, as crazy as it was. Hundred percent. I was. Uh, yeah. Hundred percent. I don't think this could have uh, exceeded my expectations more. I awesome. knew it was well regarded, and I I was over the moon for it. Yeah. Yeah. I so I cool. say honestly, if you if you've never seen Altered States or The Brood and and uh, you listen to us talk about it. You still want to see them? Watch them together, yeah, man. man. Double down. Like, I can't. Uh, I can't imagine the experience being any better. Yeah, like it was such a cool companion piece. Uh, one that I didn't, you know, wouldn't have thought about. Yeah. And afterwards, like it just makes too much sense. Yeah. It was perfect. So do it. Do what we did. Come back and listen to us talk about it again. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It was a great night. It was great. Great um, night, great episode. Great app. It was a good app. Yeah. It's pretty good. I love doing this, man. Pretty I love good. I love I love talking about movies because I, I feel like you and me talking about altered states, you gave me so many things that I didn't think about before. Same. Uh, Same in return. Just, and such a deep kind of just appreciation of like there was some there was just so much going on yeah. with this and the brood. And um how fun is it to talk about movies? That's why this is. That's why we're it's here so for you guys. Fun. That's why we're here. Yeah, you know? that's why we wanted. To Finally, do this. someone's talking Somebody's about movies. Talking about movies. Jesus, it's about time. Finally, God, there's movies out here. People on, got guys. opinions. It's come to this. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're gonna come back with something pretty cool. I think we got something good planned. We got a lot of stuff. Every planned. other show up until now. Who knows? Yeah, but no. This, uh, you know, uh, let us know what you think. We're on all the social medias. Uh, yeah. we're gonna be on the twitters. Uh, we're out. Eric's there. doing the Twitter. I'm, I'll do the Facebook and the Instagram. <laughs> We're out there. If there's something you want to hear, do yeah, it. Yeah, tell us about movies you want to you want to talk about. This or, is about talking movies. Or man. tell us why you didn't get Altered States in the Brood, and and we'll say listen to the episode we'll again. Say, yeah, you do missed it again. It. Run it back. <laughs> do the same double feature we did. Rent a theater. Yeah. Do it. But we're all about talking about movies. Let's talk about movies on the social media do as it. well as the podcast. <laughs> um, but until then, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Thank you guys so much for listening to us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Good night.